नमस्ते गाइस आई एम डॉक्टर अनुश्रुति एंड आई एम बैक विद अ वेरी बिग एपिसोड यस बिग एपिसोड बिकॉज़ टुडे इज ऑल अबाउट रिहैबिलिटेशन स्ट्रेंथ एंड वेट गेन वेट लॉस एवरीथिंग ऑल योर क्वेश्चंस आंसर्ड नाउ लेट्स नॉट वेस्ट टाइम टुडे ऑन बोर्ड आई हैव समवन हु इज अ मास्टर इन रिहैब ट्रेनिंग परफॉर्मेंस ट्रेनिंग स्ट्रेंथ ट्रेनिंग एवरीथिंग दैट इज अ पार्ट ऑफ फिजियोथेरेपी I am talking about none other than Dr. Eric Chow, who is joining us live directly from USA. Hello, Dr. Eric. How are you? Good. How are you? I am fine. Well, you know, I have heard a lot about you, and I really want to know what is your journey in this career. Like, how did you end up becoming a doctor of physical therapy? What did what was that one thing that compelled you to join this career, this field? and also subsequent question what is that one thing of the field you feel you know you'll cherish it forever in your life that you were very thankful to this opportunity of being the doctor of physical therapy that you'll never going to forget in the entire life <laughs> well i just want to first say thanks for having me on um my journey to pt actually started outside of pt um very involved in sports played soccer played basketball growing up and just wanted to learn how to get better at my sport So my journey revolves around being in the weight room and then getting out on the turf and getting better at my craft and all of a sudden that landed me into a exercise physiology program as an as an undergrad at University of Massachusetts Lowell. Uh, I was really fortunate to meet a lot of bright minds in the industry and landed myself into an internship at Mike Boyle Strength Conditioning. Uh really happy to have worked there for 2 years and meet Mike meet John Paloff meet a lot of uh really bright minds in the industry and that caught my brain thinking about hey like what happens when I'm training an individual and they're seeing John before they come to see me like what's going on pre op what's going on post op how can I intervene on my end of the spectrum um and sure enough John kind of got things going in my brain on how rehab and strength conditioning are quite similar uh Mike would always say really great rehab is just really smart strength and conditioning so as i kept going in that field i just uh kind of lit a fire under me to apply to pt school and create that bridge between strength and conditioning and rehab and sports performance so ended up going to university of vermont for physical therapy school uh interned at rehab to perform down in bethesda maryland and i was really blessed to be offered a job and now i'm working in the germantown location um so that's kind of my journey in a nutshell uh something that i think will always stay with me as a pt is just how i can intervene from the standpoint of a high school athlete a middle school athlete to someone who is getting a total knee replacement and trying to live their day um in the best way possible and get back to the activities they want to do so just being able to intervene across the lifespan is something that I really cherish and hold dear to my heart. So that's what wakes me up in the morning. That's what puts a smile on my face. As we say, it's all in our destiny, and you know, whatever we want to do, whatever we do, it is just it just ends over there. What our destiny holds for us, and it's always for the good. Well, you talked about rehab. Now, coming to the very first question, Doctor Eric, rehabilitation. a lot of people have heard these words you know rehab rehabilitation process and they just feel like they're such big terms and even i have seen a lot of clients and patients saying i am going for a rehab session 
but unfortunately they do not know what exactly the term rehab means what does it includes and like what exactly is rehabilitation uh, i think that like definitely revolves around a lot of context in terms of if i have someone who is a college soccer player to someone who again like just had a knee replacement what does that mean so i think rehab just means our ability to scale entry points of exercise and physical activity to meet that individual uh, where they're at. So just trying to provide them variability and options and build their capacity for learning and flexibility and all these behaviors. And if we can intervene in all of these standpoints, then they're gonna be able to meet the demands and adapt to any environment that they're trying to get back to. So I think when we intervene on the variability and accommodation aspect, then that's kind of what rehab means to me. And that's potentially what rehab means to them as they go through their journey, uh, whether it be a ACL uh, for a 21-year-old soccer player or someone who just had a knee replacement and wants to squat down, pick up their grandkids. Uh, well, you know, here in India, I have seen a lot of physical therapists. They, you know, they actually revolve, their treatment revolves around dry knee link, cupping therapy, muscle stimulation and uh, uh, taping. So what do you feel? Like how much is the part of exercise included? Like what are you, like how can you rate the exercise part in rehabilitation process and the modalities part? Like US therapy on one side, taping, uh, dry needling, cupping therapy, jama therapy, anything. And on the other side, uh, on the other side, you know, exercise, the strength training, the core training program. Yeah, I think it's just scalability um, again. So someone who comes in with high acuity of symptoms and maybe from a capacity standpoint, can't tolerate as much exercise, um, modalities are gonna be a really great entry point. Um, think about like low hanging fruit and how do we just hit singles and get on base every session and aggregate these marginal gains each session. So for us, it's seeing what these, the low hanging fruit is for that individual and if acuity is high, then maybe we start off with a little bit more manual therapy. We do a little bit of dry needling and then reintroduce exercise in a maybe lower intensity state, lower volume state. And as they get better, as these symptoms start to quiet down a little bit, now we can start to introduce and scale some uh, more volume of exercise or maybe something a little bit more higher intensity from a locomotor standpoint. Um, so for example, if we're working on someone who isn't quite weight bearing very well yet, then we're gonna start on a table. We're gonna rock side to side, forward, backwards, reintroduce uh, what weight shifting feels like. And then as we progress, maybe we start with a little bit of marching on the table. Then we go out onto the turf and now we're doing a little bit of like assistive device marching. And then now we're walking a little bit. So uh, in essence, we're just trying to scale exercise to where this individual is gonna have the greatest impact. Also, Dr. Eric, what do you feel? I mean, you know, strength training and all that weightlifting, powerful exercises. What are, what are the impacts of these exercises and strength training programs on quality of life? I mean, on one hand, we have a person A who's doing everything, strength training, lifting weights and everything. On the other hand, we have a person B who's having a sedentary lifestyle, I would say, or just a normal lifestyle where he goes to office, comes back, eat, and then sleep, and then repeat. So 
lifting weight and strength training what are its good impact on the people who are doing it and bad impact on people who are not into this yeah so i think there's always going to be a positive impact on any sort of physical activity and lifting weights and strength training may look a lot different for one individual to another. So it might look like body weight squats for an older individual. And it might look like putting some weight onto a bar and squatting for maybe a younger individual. So I think at the end of the day, if we can scale some of these strength and conditioning movements and almost create these buckets of need, then we can start to influence this individual a little bit more. So what do I mean by like buckets of need, I think? we can break it down into like six categories. We can look at range of motion. So do they have enough motion and mobility at these joints to perform whatever they need to perform? Uh, from the strength side of things, right? How well does this individual like manage or create some of these forces? Uh, from a power standpoint, can they quickly apply this force when time is a little bit more of a limiting factor? And then we got locomotor, elasticity and endurance. So locomotor is, how are we walking, changing directions, agility demands, elasticity is, are we able to restore and repurpose some elastic energy to kind of improve some movement deficiencies? And then lastly, endurance, how much can you do and how long can you do this for? So if we can hit all of these buckets and identify where these buckets of need are for every individual, I think we can start to program um, some better movements that will target these potential deficits and then improve upon them as they go throughout this uh, process. Absolutely. Well, with this, Dr. Eric, I would like to introduce you to one of the segments of my show where we answer the question of my followers, patients, and clients. So I have a bunch of questions ready for me for you. Are you ready to answer these questions? Let's see. <laughs> okay, well, we have the very first question a very special question because we have the person himself. Okay, so here is the question. Hello, Dr. Eric. How are you? Good, this how are is you? Ashish. I'm from India, New Delhi. My question is, uh, I just want to know importance of walking. If I don't do any exercise and I do only walking, so is this enough for me? And at the same time, I want to congratulate Dr. Anushruti for running this mm -hmm. nice show through which we Indians are able to talk with international doctors. Thank you. That's so sweet of you. Thank you so much for the question. Dr. Eric, over to you. I think walking is a really great spot to start any sort of aerobic exercise activity. And if we don't have a really good baseline of let's just say high intensity work. Let's start with walking. Let's start with maybe walking 10, 20 minutes a day and then starting to ramp up the duration of that. So maybe we're at 25, 30, and now we can start to intervene in the standpoint of maybe we do a little bit of faster walking. Maybe we're doing some interval walking of I'm walking a little faster for 20 seconds and then I'm taking it easy or nice and easy for 40 seconds. When we start to work into these intervals of intensity, then we can in, uh, introduce some variability from a heart rate standpoint. So uh, let's, let's take someone who has like a resting heart rate that's a little bit higher. Let's say they're around like 95 and their max heart rate because 
uh, if they came out of surgery or they're a little deconditioned, let's just say it's at around 120. If our excursion of about like 30 beats per minute is the only variability we have, it's gonna be really hard to get into these different environments and challenge ourselves a little bit more. So to answer his question, yeah, walking is great, but what are we doing to layer on top uh, some intensity where our heart rate has to spike and then recover uh, within a certain time frame? If we can start to build in these intervals and then introduce a little bit more longer duration walking, maybe at a higher intensity, I think that's a really good spot to start in. Totally. Well, thank you so much for the question. Moving on, we have another question coming up on your way which is from Sambhav from Karnataka. Okay, he says, hello, Dr. Eric, how are you? Greetings from India. I am a PT student. I want to know how do I make my patients understand about the importance of workout and exercise? They somehow just rely on modalities like TENS, US therapy, etc. What are the ways I can let them know the importance of exercises and home workouts? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. and. Uh, when someone really comes in and is really looking for more of the hands-on manual treatment, I think that only gets us so far. It may only address um, the, symptom the symptoms and it helps people feel a little bit better. But I think the research is very, very um, out there on where exercise can intervene and its long-term effects on health and addressing specific pathologies. So if we're not in introducing some sort of exercise and creating patient buy-in, um, then I think it's going to be really challenging to create a really successful long-term course of care. Uh, but at the end of the day, if we can cultivate some self-optimism in terms of movement and exercise and, and helping them correlate why this is important for their goals and how it will get them there versus just the hands-on work, then that's where we can be a very important factor in getting them back to where they want to be. Absolutely. I believe some of your question is answered and all the best to treat your patients. Well, moving on, we have Kailash from Banaras. Banaras is a beautiful place in India. He says, hello, Dr. Eric, how are you? Namaste from India. Okay, are you noticing how much love you're getting from Indians? <laughs> a little bit. Well, namaste is, you know, the greeting of India. Like we do namaste. Have you heard of uh, it? I have heard of it, but I hadn't get the okay. context. <laughs> okay. Well, he says, what are some of the best exercises to do when it comes to ACL rehab? I, lo I love this question. This is, this is right down my alley. Um, and I think it really depends on what stage in rehab they're at. Um, so if I'm looking at like ACL rehab, I think the biggest thing is making sure that they're loading their quad and that they're not shying away from that. And what I mean by that, and there is a lot of ways we can load the quad, whether it be in a bilateral stance where we're two feet and we're set in a square position, maybe in a split stance, maybe in a single leg stance, and maybe when we're introducing a little bit higher velocity or rate of loading in that area. Uh, when I look at um, introduction to plyometrics or maybe more elastic work, what I think of first is how is this individual absorbing force and what strategies are they using? So to paint a picture here, let's say someone's got full range of motion with knee extension, 
and then their knee flexion, meaning their heel to butt or how much they can bend their knee is a little bit more limited. So when they get into potentially some of those deeper squat, split squat or lunge positions, do they have the available motion to perform the desired task? And how are they doing that? So when I look at someone who potentially would be doing a deceleration pattern, let's say they're lunging forward and they don't have that motion available, the next uh, place that they're going to move is likely through their hip. So are they creating a little bit more of this forward trunk angle as they come down? Are they loading their hip and are they shying away from that quad? So that's something that I particularly look at. And there's not one specific or a couple specific exercises that I love because for the context of the individual, whether they play soccer, basketball, or they a baseball player, things like that, that's kind of uh, where I want to intervene and create a little bit more specificity around some of those joint specific positions that they're going to encounter or maybe the demands that they see. Uh, but as a whole, I think a nice progression is looking at how this individual is managing and absorbing some forces. And we want to apply the brakes before we want to be able to apply the gas because a Ferrari that can drive 120 miles an hour, but can't hit the brakes is not going to be a great Ferrari and not for long. So I would say definitely prioritize the brakes before you hit the gas. Uh, take your time with the strength. Uh, strength is definitely a prerequisite factor in terms of getting into more of our higher power or elastic type work. Um, and then not forgetting about endurance. Uh, some of these athletes have to play on the pitch for 90 minutes if they're playing soccer. So I'll reprioritizing energy system development uh, towards the back end of their session. Uh, even early on, um, having an individual hop on the bike and maybe doing something a little bit lower intensity um, to build like an aerobic base is going to be super important. Well, bingo, you have answered all the questions. And here I would like to make a note to all my audience that if you guys want to send the questions, do send your audio, video and text questions through DM on all my social media handles and we'll present it on my next episode. Well, with this, Dr. Eric, we have come to an end of this segment, but my question is still there. So moving on, I have a lot of people, you know, who are into physical therapy and aspiring doctors. So we know how much this time is difficult for them, like it is the testing time in their future. Also, what they see is that this is a never-ending process. They chose the bad faculty member or they chose the bad career and this is like the hardest possible thing on earth. So what are your, you know, words of wisdom and motivation to these students? I think just remembering why you got into this industry and it's because you want to create meaningful impacts in people's lives. So for example, if you are an individual who just had surgery, you see your ortho probably three or four times. And those are the only touch points you have with that individual to make your mark as a physical therapist. And as someone who sees an ACL rehab uh, from nine to 12 months or on, um, you have a lot of touch points. And those touch points are really important to make your mark in their lives and facilitate self-optimism and help them get back to where they want to be. Um, and if that's something that you didn't uh, quite gravitate towards or are having a hard time with, then I might question a little bit why we're in that room and why we chose this profession. But if you want to create meaningful impacts and 
people's lives every day, then you got to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and that you're showing up for yourself so that you can show up for these people too. Um, and just not discounting the fact that um, every touch point that you get is extremely meaningful and you have a really unique opportunity to create some change in, in people's lives. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Eric, for your words and especially taking out time for this episode. I do hope you enjoyed speaking to me and my audience on this wonderful topic and also sharing your views and answering their questions. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show. This was a blast. Thank you so much. With this, we have come to an episode, but make sure that you straighten your back, have a glass of water and a good sleep. Till then, take care. Goodbye. Thank you.